0: This has been the hardest part for me as a business owner is being able to separate yourself from the business emotionally as well.
1: Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. As you know, our show's mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we just want to welcome you to the Kelly family. And don't be shy. If if you're wrestling with a question as, as an entrepreneurial leader, as a um, middle management leader, just anyone um, in an organization that would like to have their questions answered, uh, send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I edu, And we'd love to offer you some feedback, get you connected with some of our faculty. Um, and as well, if you have a guest that you'd love to nominate for our show. So this is a really fun episode. Uh, for those of you who have been long-time listeners to the ROI podcast, uh, you may recognize our next guest, uh, but we decided to do a check-in with the CEO and founder of Crimson Media,
0: Shane Simmons. Shane, welcome to the show. This is so crazy that I'm on the other side of the ROI podcast here after a few years since its inception, and I, I am absolutely honored to, to be in front of you guys here today.
1: It is pretty sweet. Real. And the coolest thing is, is, you know, you worked your way to the other side. It wasn't something that we just, you know, kind of handed to you or whatever. I mean, this is something that's been, you've been building your own enterprise for for, for a while now. And uh, we'd love to dive into that and gain some of your, uh, some of your wisdom. So first off, before we started getting to the meat of the conversation, talk us uh, to us about, you know, your new venture that you're on, even your podcast that you're also hosting as well.
0: Yeah, so you know, about four years ago, uh, I started, I guess, doing just some consulting work as a, as a marketer uh, for a few different dental offices. And uh, at that time, you know, I was I was working full time at the Kelly School of Business, and um, just really wanted to get my feet wet, though, in in marketing and um, you know the, the dental industry where I, I knew some people. So, long story short, it started there, uh, just working, putting in some hours on the side while working my full time job. And uh throughout, you know, and I think we'll touch on this, I'm sure, but throughout the the process of working at the Kelly School and also picking up some mentors, um, I really, you know, I kind of tell people I kind of got an, an informal MBA and really found that I loved business and I wanted to get you know, I guess, further into that. And so anyway, uh, here we are today, Crimson Media is a dental marketing firm. We we focus on online advertising, online marketing for dentists and try to make it different and make dentists seem more accessible and share their stories. And so that's the, the kind of the mission of the company and what we do. And on the side, I also run, uh, it's called the Nothing But The Tooth Dentistry Podcast, where we talk about marketing and leadership and help dentists build freedom in their practice. And so uh, that's where we are today. And uh, of course, just uh, super stoked to, to be here and, and uh, owe a lot to the Kelly School.
2: So Shane, uh, again, just so our listeners are clear, you started the ROI podcast I remember sitting in my office, we had the idea and you, you ran with it. So that was, we'd like to think that was your first entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, and I'm just, I love the story that, um, I know you had an interest in continuing formal studies in the Kelly school, but really because of our, our work together and interviewing different, uh, Uh, faculty members, and disruptive business leaders in Indianapolis that that kind of gave you the, as you said before, the informal MBA, that confidence and that knowledge to launch. Talk
0: about that some more. Yeah, I I want our listeners to understand this. It's think about all of these episodes that you consume, the content that you're consuming. You're getting a raw interview by some of the You know, brightest minds in the Indianapolis area and beyond. And so you think about all of the knowledge that is out there through these podcasts. You know, in in my case, I was the one doing the interviews like Matt is today. And you start to pick up on a few different things, you know, how they think, uh, how leaders act, you know, what are some of the common characteristics that great people have uh, that do, you know, successful and big things in their life, and so you start to, uh, as you surround yourself with that, and I'm a firm believer, it's you really are the, you know, people you surround yourself with, you become that. And so I was not that when we started this podcast. You know, I, I was a confident young man, but really didn't know what I wanted to do in life and had no thoughts of business. Uh, but after, you know, recording these episodes, getting around these great minds, not to mention some of the people within the Kelly School itself and faculty members, etc., cetera, um, I learned that, you know, this was something that I could take. All these different pieces of information that I gathered and apply it to my true passion uh, as well. And so it's just so funny how it works. And and people who are listening to this, you know, you are getting a not. It's just crazy to me that you can get this kind of content for absolutely you know no charge. You can plug it in while you're driving to work. You know, listening while you're uh, on your way to class, whatnot, and hear from some of these people. And so I tell people, you know, it's it's you can be whatever you want to be, you can do whatever you want to do. You just got to surround yourself with the people who've been there, done that. And that's really what this podcast um, and the Kelly School was able to provide me. So definitely uh, it's it's an interesting story how it all worked out in the end.
1: I'd love to get into talking about something you said where while you were working on this podcast and during your time, you said that there was this moment where you just weren't really sure of what life's next step look like? You know, you're trying to figure out, all right, do I want to stick in media? Do I want to stick in public relations? And then you had this kind of epiphany of, you know, this entrepreneurial journey. It's something that you totally didn't even think, I'm sure dentistry was never like kind of in your crosshairs leading up to this point. So for those listening who are, are, have this, these ideas or just uncertainty or wherever they're at in their own career journey, what were some of the steps you took in finding that Dental marketing was going to be your starting point.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, one thing I tell people is uh, imagine this, you know, when I was working at the Kelly School, I loved my job. Like I loved what I did. And so that was the hard part about figuring out, do you want to leave a job that you really do love and enjoy and work with great people and move on to something that is completely kind of unknown territory uh, where you are, you know, statistically speaking, probably going to fall flat on your face. And so, um, you know, with me, the whole the whole thing was I, I knew I wanted to make some sort of you know, large impact uh, on a number of people's lives. And I also knew I had a kind of a skill set that was unique And so how dentistry kind of came about is I was literally researching so many different niches that I could possibly, you know, break into and then offer something that's a little bit different, you know, something with a twist on it. Because you mentioned I had a media background, and so I thought there was a way to implement storytelling in some form or fashion in an industry. I just didn't know what that industry was. And so after research, uh, you know, medical, home service industry, you name it, um, I found that dentistry was really unique in the fact that it really is something that transforms people's lives, if you think about it because a lot of people, their confidence comes from whether or not they can smile or not their teeth, the cosmetics. plus, I had a lot of like dental troubles growing up as a child anyway. And so I thought about, how that transformation was in my life. And then I saw the industry in itself and saw, man, they're really not sharing the story here, like what it really is doing. It's it's like stock photos of, you know, models smiling, but it's not like sharing the actual transformation that it has on people's lives. And it was literally like a light bulb, sw- you know, went off in my head. And I was like, this is it. This is how I can start to disrupt something in a very – uh, established industry where marketing firms, most of them were corporate and most dentists used the same firms. I was like, I could bring a twist to this where they could actually you know, share what makes them different, what makes their patients different and how it's changed their patients lives. And so that's kind of when it all connected is when I realized that the dental industry um, just everything looked the same. Everything was kind of blah is what I tell people. And that it has the most promise in my eyes to really share something that's beautiful, that's unique. And uh I felt like that I offered the the solution to kind of bridge the gap and, and make that happen.
1: So let's talk about that first initial step. You know, I do want to get into some of the maybe later later steps, but at least that very first initial, hey, this is this is the turning point. I'm all in and I'm going to turn this into my, you know, full-time, full-time deal. What were some of the biggest obstacles that you had to overcome bridging all of these webs of ideas and culminating it all to specifically dental marketing? I'm running for it.
0: Yeah. So I think it it came down to, you know, one, you know, do, do you, you have the confidence to think that this is something that you can sustain long-term uh, because as you know, I, I brought on a couple of clients uh, and basically I worked for free starting out. I mean, that was the kind of my way to get in. It was like, I'll work for free for you. Uh, this is my game plan. This is what I'll do. All I ask is, you know, after a few months we reconnect. If you're happy with what you know I've done, leave, you know, like a testimonial review for me. So that way I could leverage that in the future. And so I did two things. One, it helped me build confidence in myself, but two, it also allowed me to have social proof from someone to use in the future. So once I, I narrowed down to dentistry, I just went all in. Like I didn't start dabbling in some other industries Well, I went all in in dentistry. And as far as like when I knew that, you know, I had to go full time with it, I think I had about five clients that I was actively working with. And these are like monthly retainers, right? So uh, I had five clients that I was working with and the time that I was putting in uh, for those clients to get the work done for them was equally matching the time that spent in a full-time job. So I was working about 80 hours a week uh, there for several months. Uh, Nighttime, you know, was dedicated all towards my off, you know, my business and then daytime, obviously for the full-time job. And so I realized that that wasn't going to be sustainable. While it was comfortable for me because I knew, okay, if I lost a client or something here or there, I was going to be financially stable. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to grow it any further past that point uh, because I just didn't have the capacity, the time uh, to do so. And so that's when I decided uh, right when I was consistently hitting those 80-hour weeks where I was like, okay, uh, we got to do something here. And so that's when I decided to kind of make the leap. It was when the time I was having to put in Match the full time uh, job that I had. I'm curious. When did
2: you go from sort of volunteering into cash flow? And then, how did you price? How did you figure out what to charge? I think that's a question that all, if you're our listeners who are trying to start business, wrestle with. How do you? uh, That's an interesting trajectory. Go from a price of zero to really what you hope is a premium price, right? Talk about the talk about that journey in terms of
0: the price going up. Yep. Uh, so I did one month uh, of, of some free work. And then after the one, month, it was lead generation is what we were doing. So we were running online ads for particular clients who were uh, promoting um, dental implants. And for those who aren't familiar with the dental industry, it's, it's a high-end procedure that basically replaces missing teeth uh, with a screw that goes into the jawbone, essentially. And I was running these online ads uh, for these clients. And my first client that I had, we, we ran for free. And he spent $1,000 in an ad spend, which is what I had recommended it to him. said, you know, I think we can get good results. He closed $100,000 in uh, dental care from that one month of working together. So after month one, he said, you're hired. What do, what do, what do I pay you? And so at that point is when I had to figure out, okay, what do I charge? And so it was a few different things. One, it was research in the current and see what people were already charging. Again, I did have a few mentors who were running their own marketing company. So I kind of had an idea there. And then two, what's the value that I'm providing that business owner, right? So my the time, uh, the efforts that we're putting in our creative process, you know, what is that worth? And so that's kind of how I decided to determine, you know, what the price was. And it's funny because today, you know, I, th- I was charging, I think my first Charge, it was like $1,500 a month to manage like their their lead ads is what I was charging. And then today, you know, that price has gone up just because we've realized the value of it. And also as you refine it uh, more and more, uh, you also get uh, a better system in place too. But it, to answer your question, it was, it was really after like one month of working with two different clients is when I decided, uh, okay, now, you know, I'm, I deserve to get paid, I think. And, and they didn't argue about it either.
1: That's amazing. And I want to go into the, some of those, those next steps. I mean, you're sitting now in a place where you, you now are starting to get actual employees, you know, into your organization, into your company. Um, you're starting to hit major benchmarks. I mean, you're not just working out of your own home office. I mean, we're sitting here in your brand new office, which is incredible. You Downtown know, Downtown so, Fishers, a yes. cool place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that becomes, uh, I think, a lot of... Um, entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes wrestle with, all right, when do I pull the trigger to hire someone? You know, how how am I going to be confident enough to that? We're going to have enough cash coming in consistently where I can support because now you're not just worried about yourself and your family, but now you're going to be responsible for, you know, every person you hire and their family as well. And if the business doesn't do well, I mean, it's going to trickle down. So obviously that comes with a lot of weight in deciding. So what we're talk through, you know, those, some of those um, difficulties in answering that question on when bringing someone into your team makes sense.
0: Yeah, we have the natural tendency, at least I think entrepreneurs do, where they, they want to do everything um, themselves, especially for the longest time, because it, they feel like it's their ideas. It's like all these things that they want to put uh, into action. But what I've realized and studied is that the those entrepreneurs usually drive their business straight to the ground. They are great at putting the the pedal to the metal and just. You know, f- shooting it up in the air, revenue skyrocketing, getting it to the point where it's like, wow, fast growth. You know, amazing. But they're also usually the same people who won't let go, who also drive the business to the ground as well. And so, what I learned, it quite simply, was time. Uh, when I realized that even full time, I wasn't able to provide you know the time I needed to actually do the fulfillment, do the work that's when I need to bring in some help. And so what I would encourage, you know, young, uh, you know, startups out there is first start out and hire either a part-time employee or a contractor, okay? Because what that's going to do is two things. It's going to allow you to get some help on you know, what you need done, but two, it's going to help you manage as well because if you've never managed people, you um, it's, it's a whole learning process in and of itself. And so b- by hiring a contractor or somebody who's part-time, you don't have that full-time uh, pressure, I guess, where you can kind of test the waters, see if, one, you have the right person, but, two, um, if that's the right position that you need help for. So that's kind of my advice to people is uh, you know just figure out you – know, before you go out and just hire a bunch of full-time people – try some contractors, try some part-time employees, see if that's what helps uh, move the business forward, helps free up your time. And then ultimately, in my opinion, as the founder, as the CEO, your job is to grow the business and you cannot grow the business if you are working in the business every single day. Um, it's just, you're not gonna be able to do it. You need to be out there promoting, you need to be out there shaking hands, you know, sharing ideas. And so that's where a team is absolutely critical and to meeting those goals. And, that, and that, to be quite honest with you guys, I'm still in that phase right now where I'm just building the right team, trying to figure out you know, what is the right chemistry, build the right culture in here, and what are things I want to let go of and what are things that I still am not ready to let go of. And I think that's all part of this, this journey.
1: And it stems into trust being a very big pillar of that let go process. Because as you said, a lot of people, including myself, you know, you get involved or invested into an idea and you want, you know, that you could just do it better than anyone else because it's your idea. You don't have to just slow down and take the time to explain what, what the process is going to be. You don't have to slow down for a second. You can just run and gun as fast as you want but like you said, I mean, it does have a negative downfall long term. So for you, as you're wrestling through some of building trust with people, what have you had to do as an entrepreneur to reflect? And then how do you overcome some of those insecurities of letting go and what if they fail?
0: Yeah, so I basically came to terms that, you know, we're going to mess up at times. I'm going to mess up, team members are going to mess up, and that's okay because really where our best lessons are learned is when we fail at something or we, you know, have an error. Those are our best learning lessons. So I kind of had to come with terms of that, which is not easy, uh, and it's a struggle daily, but I realized, too, that that's all part of the process. Like, that is business, right? So that's, you know, kind of like part number one to that. I'd say the second part is realizing that, I have, you know, big goals, big aspirations for this company. And I know that un- unless I build a stellar team around me and I trust them and I-, and I let them work through some of the you know kinks that they may have, uh, we're not going to get where I want and where I believe we can get this company. And so that's really the motivation behind being okay with, Letting go, trusting others, and being okay if there are mess ups along the way, because nothing's perfect in life. And in order to get to the point where we want to go, we're gonna have to go along that process. And I will say this too, and this has been the hardest part for me as uh, a business owner, is being able to separate yourself from the business emotionally as well. Because for the longest time, and I still struggle with this, if a client, you know, has something, there's always something that happens or goes wrong. I I almost take it personally where it affects like me as a person, but I realize it was something, you know, it's business to business. There was a downfall there. It doesn't necessarily mean the person is mad at you as a human being. It's like something along with the business. And I think that's something that's hard for entrepreneurs starting out is being able to separate yourself from the business a little bit and say, listen, you know, things are going to happen, but it doesn't affect who I am as a person or what people see in me as a person.
2: So Shane, I'm going to put my professorial cap on here you're in a stage now where I think you're figuring out how to scale, right? Take off. And when you look at the literature, it's the best thing. There's, there's two signals that, you know, that you can scale well. First of them is a certain level of standardization, right? Where in your business, you know, every dentist is going to be different, but you got to build a service delivery model that's either modular or, or standard and it can't be, can be completely standardized because everybody's got different stuff. But the more you can standardize, the, the easier it is to repeat it, right? And re- repetition and 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 low ramp up cost that's the key. That's less friction, and that's the key to to growing fast. So that's you know it's identifying a process that does that. So I want to give me give me a grade on how you're doing there. But more importantly, have you gotten to the point now where you you might have a customer appear in front of you and you know that if, if you meet that customer's needs, even if they're willing to pay a lot of money, it's gonna throw friction into what should be a standard a more a more standardized process that allows you to grow faster. Have you reached the point where you 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 say no to certain customers?
0: That's a great question. So uh, I'm learning a ton about SOPs or standard operating procedures. And so that, you know, I hired a coach a few months ago where basically they are putting operations in my business. Every single thing I do from booking a conference room for a podcast to service delivery for a client, uh, we are building everything out. And it's, it's kind of funny how, how they've done it. It, but it makes so much sense, and this is something that I hope our listeners who are maybe needing to build SOPs for whether it's their job or their business could take note on is there's a piece of software out there. It's called Loom. Uh, it's a Google extent Chrome extension. Basically, what it allows you to do is screen record and then share a link after you've recorded the video. And so basically what we've done is every single thing that we do in the business, service delivery-wise, customer communication, you name it, we record one of these videos. And then what happens is we put those uh, videos under the task that it corresponds to in our project management system. And then I have a virtual assistant who goes in and document, transcribes basically those videos, bullet point by bullet point on exactly what to do. And that's how we create our SOPs essentially. So that way we have a directory of every single task that gets done for you know, each specific client, each specific service, whatnot, when it gets done, and everything's documented video-wise and through text. So that's number one is we are getting to the point where everything is uh, a standard operating procedure and it can be handed off, someone can see it, they'll know exactly what to do, and they go. And so that has been a big help in, you know, starting to scale that process. To answer your second question is you absolutely get people who think that – you know their their business is more important maybe than than your other clients' businesses and want you to go and um, to excessive lengths uh, lengths at time to uh, provide a service and to answer your question we are now at that point where if I see something coming through where it's going to throw everything off in the business, um, you know, whether it's you know extra attention that they need or they want something done completely differently than the way we typically do it. I usually will just say it's not a good match because what I have learned is at the beginning, I was taking any revenue that I could get, right? Because we were cash strapped, we were we were moving fast, and I would make it work. What I'm realizing is, over time, um, you know, we want to build long-term client relationships, and those particular cases that you mentioned, uh, Phil, those tend to be uh, clients who want special attention, uh, which is fine, but if they want you to break the way that you normally do things, uh, usually it's going to cause friction throughout the relationship and then ultimately it's not going to end well for both parties. And so that's what I have found is really to increase customer retention, which is super important for us. We need to find clients who match with our philosophical beliefs, but also are on board with how we do things and therefore uh, that's what's going to allow us, I think, scale at the end of the day. So, basically, the amount of you know revenue and those sort of things don't really matter uh, to me when it comes to these type of clients. They may be ready to you know pitch out uh, a lot of money for you know our services, but if I know it's not going to work, uh, it's going to be detrimental in the long run. Shane, just one follow up: where you
2: are relative to where you feel like you can be, however you want to distinguish that qualitatively, quantitatively, give us a sense of what you think you can achieve. With this new mo- this differentiated model versus where you
0: are, we haven't even scratched the surface yet of what we're going to do. Uh, I, I truly believe that. I feel like we are. I mean, we're still at ground zero here compared to the where we're going to end up. I see. Um, you know, just you know, I won't speak to the revenue uh, of it, but I can just say from the impact that we're having, we are certainly um, known in the dental communities now, specifically in the online communities. Like we are one of the four or five companies that people are starting to mention and talk about in their kind of like Facebook communities and groups, which is awesome. But there are still so many people out there who don't know who we are and what we do. And they have amazing stories that they can you know share with their, with their uh, communities. And they're doing amazing work as well. And so, you know, I feel like we are, if I had to quantitatively, you know, put it not even a percent of what we could hit, um, down the road. And I'm not just saying that, uh, you know, and and blowing hot air. I really, truly believe that. And I also believe that as I continue to bring on smart people in the business, they're going to be able to teach me things that, you know, I don't even know. So that way we can move up because I can't do this alone. Like I have got to have uh, the right people around me and that's what I'm excited about uh, now moving forward. So as we
1: get ready to wrap up, as you sit back and you, and you reflect, you know, with your time at Kelly, uh, especially doing this podcast and to where you are sitting now, Talk about some of the biggest takeaways you received um, just through this podcast journey on how it shaped you to be the entrepreneur and leader that you are today.
0: Absolutely. I would say the number one lesson I learned doing the podcast, working at the Kelly School, being surrounded by the minds at the Kelly School, is that you know perfectionism leads to paralysis. And I think that's a big pe- problem that people have is they may have an idea, whether it's starting a business or just uh, applying for a different position in their company. Uh, but they feel like they're not ready yet. You know the. But I, I have news for you. You'll never be ready. You'll never be where you think you are because we always uh, are our own worst critic. You have to. Uh, I mean, again, I learned this from very successful people who've gone out there and, and and went after it. You have to take responsibility and just go for it. Sometimes, I mean, that is. Ultimately, what you have to do, you have to take a risk. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And one of my other favorite sayings is, uh, "A comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there." And that's ultimately the truth. Is if you're not making yourself uncomfortable in some way or another every single day, you're not pushing yourself to uh, your full cap- cap- capabilities. And so, my advice to you out there listening is, whether you want to start a business or not, it's just you know go out there, you know give it everything you've got, learn. Don't be afraid to mess up and push yourself out of your comfort zone, and you'll be amazed at what you can do. Shane, what was your favorite episode? Oh my gosh, I, I should have st- I should have studied for this question. I would say um, there's a, a couple. One is obviously uh, interviewing the governor. Is you know, Governor Holcomb is going to be one of the top ones always because we got to go into the governor's mansion, and that was just amazing. Um, I, I would say my second favorite episode that we did was probably um in the beginning stages with uh Charlotte Westerhouse Renfro and the reason that is is because for the people listening we we get, like, got in a little uh, what was that a little room basically on the IUPUI campus a little booth it was about 200 degrees i felt like in that thing and we would jam in there um and it was just a lot of great memories that i had with that but also uh the episode itself was just neat because the way that, the one on bullies, right? Yeah, this is on bullying in the workplace. And I just thought that the episode was great because everybody could relate to it, no matter where you were in your career. I just felt like everybody has dealt with that. So I, th- I think that would be um, one of my other favorite interviews that I've done.
1: Which is awesome because that episode to this day, as of this recording, is still the number one most downloaded episode of all the podcasts. And we're at uh, as of this recording right now, we just launched our hundredth and eleventh episode, so it just says something to you know your hard work and everything that you put forward to build this podcast to where it was, and so it's just it's just so much fun to to come back and reconnect again. This is Shane Simmons, CEO and founder of the Crimson Media, an all encompassing dental marketing solution. He's also the host of Nothing But the Tooth podcast. Be sure to subscribe and check it out. And also, if it wasn't for Shane, this podcast would not be here today. So Shane, thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast. And
0: Thank you guys for having me. I I love the ROI podcast. I'm still an avid listener and, and keep doing amazing things out there. And people listening, these episodes are pure value. Listen to them and don't just listen, but take action on the advice that you hear from those out there. I mean, there's so many brilliant minds. Don't be afraid to to go out there and take action. And Guys, thank you so much for having me. I I love the Kelly School and uh, you guys are like family to me. This is awesome.
1: Great to see you, Shane. Congratulations. Thank you. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell and former host, Shane Simmons. Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.